Thank you, Sue. Thank you, uh, Pat, and everybody else who's led the music today. We appreciate that. It's been good. It's already been a good day. Uh, let's turn to the Word of God. Uh, if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16 is our passage today. We're reading from the message, paraphrase. If you'll, read along, if you'll just listen as I read the Scripture to you and follow along as best you can in your Bibles before you. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the Master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God has called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want any of you strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You're all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master and one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should not all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of you is given his own gift. The text for this is, he climbed up the mountain, he captured the enemy and seized the booty, he handed out out gifts to all the people. It's true, is it not, that the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of the earth? And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up, up to highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor-teacher to train Christians in skilled servant work, working within God's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in the response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. No prolonged embassies among us, please, will not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy marked for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to grow to the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, as we look at Ephesians 4, I pray that you will give us wisdom, give us understanding, give us clarity. Help me to be your spokesperson. I am but a humble servant and certainly not worthy of the honor and privilege of being here, but I will do the best I can. And dear Heavenly Father, even though we're here worshiping together, I also want to pray for those that are traveling. I want to pray for Doyle and Rod and Alice and the many others who are chaperoning our youth, our youth are on this journey together to be missionaries in a world all around us. And as they travel from here to New Orleans, a long journey, a long trek, they're making stops all along the way. And so we pray as they make those stops that you go with them, that you fill them with your spirit, that you help them to be your hands and feet to change this world, this broken down, dirty old world before us. We pray that you'll protect them and guard them And also give them great fellowship with one another like they've never had before. And dear Heavenly Father, as we are here praying for them and thinking about them, as we are here in Jefferson City this morning to turn to your scripture, to worship together, to learn with one another, fill us with your spirit. Help us to hear your words. Help us to listen 
to what you have to say. Help us to be one with one another and one with you. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Several years ago, I went on a hiking trip. I was much younger then, a little more ambitious, a little more outgoing. And I went on a hiking trip with some friends. And uh, it was just a day trip. We didn't go for a multi-day stay over. But it was still a day trip. And so we got little packs like this. And we put some stuff in it because we were taking a trail. But none of us had been on the trail before. We just had heard it was a pretty good trail. But none of us had really been on the trail. So we, we decided we might need to take some stuff with us. We, we kind of knew where the trail started. We kind of knew where the trail ended. But we felt like it was a good idea to take some resources. So one thing we thought would be pretty important might be a compass. In case we get lost, we can find true north, maybe. I don't know about you, but I get lost in the woods very easily. So we took a compass. But then we, you know, we were a little worried. You know, what good is the compass if you don't really know? I mean, going true north is helpful, but what if you don't need to go true north? What if you need to go west or east to get where your destination is? So we thought a map might be a good thing to take with us. But a map, a map is a good thing. It's where people have gone before us. They leave road marks. They leave their scratchings, if you will, along the way. And the map is, is very helpful. But it doesn't tell you all the details of the journey, does it? It kind of gives you where you will begin and kind of tells you where you're going to end. Some basic instructions and directions for that. But it doesn't really give you the details of the journey, does it? Well, we thought about the journey we were going to be taking. We looked at the beginning and the ending. And we thought, well, this is going to take probably several hours. Now, mind you, we knew it was going to be through some fairly rough terrain, some hill country, some trees, some woods. So we weren't real sure how rough the terrain was going to be. If we would have known before we started, we might have changed our plans. But we thought we might want to take some provisions. So we were a little bit smart. We took a little bit of food. We took some snacks. We probably should have taken more, I'll tell you. But we took some at least. We tried to be a little prepared. And then we thought, you know, if you're going to have some snacks, you've got to have some H2O. So we took some water with us, and we took all those things on our journey. And we got to the beginning of our our starting point of the hike. We parked our cars. We got out of our vehicles. We looked at the paths before us because it was a a place where there were multiple paths that went many different directions. Then we had to choose the right path. So we chose the right path. But then we had to do something else. We had to start. And we sat there a little bit and kind of looked to make sure we really wanted to do this. But then we had to start. And so we finally said, this is the path. We packed up our bags. We packed up our stuff. We began the journey. Now, faith isn't much different than that little hike I took several years ago. We are called to be on a journey with God. Paul brings this up to us in the first part of Ephesians. Beyond Paul, we also have that is brought up in uh, the whole Testament, really, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of Scripture. We have a, a, a constant journey that is taking place, and many people on journeys. We can go back to Genesis, for example. We can go back to Noah. God asked him to go on a journey with him. I want you to build a boat and collect animals. Now, if you ask me, that's kind of crazy. But he took the journey. Abraham. Genesis 12. God said, Abram, who will become Abraham, get his name changed. I need you to leave your father and your home and your country and all that you know. And follow me. 
But I don't know if you ever read Genesis 12 very closely. I never got the directions of where he was going. Did you? I missed that part. I missed where God gave Abram, who would become Abraham, all the details. And yet Abraham took the journey. Our faith is a faith track. It is a journey. We do have a compass. The Holy Spirit. It points true north all the time. It points us true north when we'll let him. Beyond being pointed true north, we also have a, a little bit of a map. It's called the Holy Bible. Gives us an idea of where we are going. It kind of tells us where we're starting and also tells us where the destination is, right? We also have a little food along the way, don't we? That's partly the scriptures, to be sure, but it's also we are, we are, we are taken care of and provisioned by those that have gone before us, aren't we? By the testimonies and the stories of Abram, who will be Abraham. And, and that's way back there. So maybe we need a little bit closer story. Maybe the story of Augustine. Or maybe we need something a little bit closer. Maybe we need the story of Jonathan Edwards. Or maybe a story a little bit closer. Maybe we need the story of a Billy Graham. Or maybe we need a story a little bit closer. Maybe we need a story of Brent Hilliard or Doyle Sager or Ray Bledsoe or Graham or Wayne. We have those stories that keep us going. And we also have other provision. We have something that sustains us called the fellowship of one another that we have, that we take with us on our journey. And we put this in our backpack. And we come to the beginning of our journey. And we see there are many paths before us. And we have to choose a path. And Paul says in Scripture... There is a road that we want you to take, and not just walk that road, run that road. But there are particular paths, and so the path we take is the path of Christ. So we see the the Jesus path, the Jesus way, and we kind of know where the beginning is, don't we? And we got a pretty good idea about the ending. In heaven, the ending, we, kinda, we got even some, some records and some writings about that, some history about that. So we kind of have that. But then there's the journey in the middle, isn't there? The living that we do to get from the beginning to the ending. And it's not a straight shot. It's not easily traversed. Sometimes there are detours, Right? Sometimes there are twists and turns along the way. Sometimes we get lost in the woods, even with all the resources we have at hand. Isn't it easy to get lost? So we have this journey that Paul is talking about. It's a faith trek. When we look at our faith trek, I think we, we must not lose sight of the beginning point. And, and Paul speaks of this greatly, and it's throughout all of Scripture, but the beginning point is the brokenness of our lives. We begin as broken human beings. Every one of us. Romans 3.23 puts it this way. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. Doesn't matter how good you have been. Doesn't matter how bad you have been. Every one of us, including me, falls short. We are broken. That's the beginning of the journey. 
The ending of the journey is wholeness, where our brokenness is fixed, where we are mended, where we are made as we were meant to be. This is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4. The church is supposed to be in the mending business. We're to bring our brokenness together. We are to see God at work and to love one another to such a degree that we get mended and made whole again. And then we trek together to the sweet by and by. We journey together and we hold each other's hands and we sometimes got to cut through the thickness of the branches. But we do that together. When it comes to a faith trek, I think there are three biggies that are part of the journey. We have the banners up and they really, I think, summarize it well. Our faith trek is built around three big principles, three big things that have to be happening in our lives for us to be made whole. We have to be loving God and others. But first we've got to love God, but we've got to be loving unconditionally. And then because of that love, we've got to grow in our faith. We've got to pursue Jesus. We've got to chase after his word and his wisdom and his ways. And as we grow, we also then want to realize that we're called forth to serve. That's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4. He's talking about how we are all called forth to do something. When we say yes to Jesus, we get a seat at the table, at the king's table. But that's just the beginning. When we say yes to Jesus, we do get a seat at his wonderful table. But we are to get up from that table and find a place to serve around that table. Go therefore and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach you them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the day. We can't just sit at the table. We can't just huddle in our faith forward at First Baptist Church and say, aren't we great Jesus people? I like to do that personally. It's a whole lot easier. But you see, scriptures paint a different path and a different journey. Ephesians 4, when Paul is writing, is a different journey. We're all given a gift, as he says in Ephesians 4. Christ generously gives a gift, at least one gift, to every person who becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. Every one of us at First Baptist Church has a special gifting, a special place, a unique mission and purpose and job. At First Baptist Church, Jefferson City, every one of us. I got news for you. Those positions are not bench warmer positions. Did you know that? Every one of us has a wonderful gifting, a unique calling to be on this great journey where we're helping people be mended so that they're going from a place of brokenness to a place of wholeness where they know God and are changed by that. That's what Ephesians 4 is about. It's about taking that journey together. It's about, as a community of believers, being the body of Christ, figuring out our gifting and finding the best place to use that gifting. And doing acts of love that change our life and change the lives of those around us. You see, I'm, I'm broken, i got to tell you. I'm still broken. God's still working on me. i still got some mending to do. But I started my faith journey 
when I was nine years old in a small little town in the Great Plains of Oklahoma, a small town of 1,500. I was nine years old, but I said yes to Jesus. And I got the starting point of the path, and I began to walk that path. And let me tell you, I've had a lot of twists and turns in my life. I've had a lot of things not go the way I wanted them to go. Have you ever been there before? I've had a lot of surprises that God has put in my path. Some of them good, some of them not so much. But I've done my best to stick to the track. That's what Paul is talking about here. We must choose to love and grow and serve. In that loving and growing and serving, there are certain things that are going to happen. We're going to be made, we're going to be so one with one another and one with God that we're going to be permanent with the oneness. This means that we're going to be all so together that we're going to have a right agenda, a right mission, a right purpose together. That doesn't mean we're going to be all robotic uh, lookalikes. There's going to be something different about each one of us, but we're going to be united together in our mission. We're going to be united in one accord to change this world, to share God's love with the world, to grow in our faith, to serve. And in that, we're going to help others learn to love, to grow, to serve. And we're going to do that, and it really it's a process of a faith trek, of a journey of discovery, really. And we're, we're always discovering you know, I am still learning stuff about my faith. I've been to seminary. I'm seminary educated. I spent three and a half years there. Uh, sometimes it's called the cemetery for a reason. I begin to wonder sometimes, was I more in a cemetery than a seminary at times? But nonetheless, I was well educated. I'm still figuring things out. I thought I'd do some stuff when I went to seminary. I thought I'd do quite a bit of stuff when I came out of seminary. And the further away I get from that seminary experience, and the more I live this life we're called to live, the more I understand, the less I know. But I'm enjoying the journey. I'm trying to figure out how to use my gifts. I'm trying to figure out how to help others figure their gifts out. I enjoy helping people move from a place of brokenness to a place of wholeness. That's what we're called to do. That's what Paul is writing about in Ephesians 4. How do we help others be mended? How do we help ourselves be mended? You know, there's a lot of ways we could do that. There's a lot of paths that can be taken. There's a lot of directions that can be worked on that. But, but I want to give you just a quick process. It's a very quick process, I think, is, is kind of how it works out for, the most, for most of us. I mean, and it's intentionally generic so because it looks a little different for every person. I think it first begins that we explore God. Now, I happened to do that when I was really young. I was very fortunate. I grew up in a Christian home, and I explored God when I was young, and so I kind of came to my decision early. But I still explore God. I still go back to exploring. There's just some things I don't understand, God. Can you help me out a little bit? And, and when I move from that place of exploring, and when we move from that place of exploring, we, we move to another part of that. We move to what I would call equipping that's really what Ephesians 4 is about. It's, the, it's called the equipping scripture. And in, what it means to be equipped is basically to have yourself mended and then put in service is really what it's about. And so that equipping kind of takes place when we come to worship, certainly, but it happens in, mainly in small groups. In our Bible teaching units on Sunday mornings or that meet throughout the week, that's really where the learning more about this thing called Jesus happens. I mean, we, you can get some of it here at worship, but, but we can't get the whole thing done here. It's just a piece of the puzzle. 
And then we've got to move from equipping because we can't just gather knowledge. See, that was what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. They were big about the merit badges of God. They had a lot of merit badges. Unfortunately, God didn't want them to collect merit badges. God called them to be a priesthood to the nations. God calls you and me to be a priesthood to the nations, not to collect Jesus' merit badges. Now, Jesus' merit badges can be important. I've learned a lot of stuff from Jesus' merit badges. I just simply can't put them on a sash. I've got to take them further than that. Moving beyond that, when we are gaining knowledge and get to a place of knowledge, and we don't have to have it all figured out, mind you. We can be still working it out. Then we are to engage in this mission that God has given us, where we are loving, growing, and serving, and doing that for the world over. We are to engage in this mending of people business. That's what Ephesians 4 is about. That's what Jesus called us to do. Go to John 15. If you abide in me and I abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it should be done for you. And as you go further in that John 15 passage, it also talks about how Jesus is speaking. It's those red letter things. Jesus is saying, you are to bear fruit that I recognize. We have to bear fruit. And so we have to engage in our world. We have to be agents of change and of difference. And we are doing that. That's why we're mentors at South School. That's why we go on mission trips. That's why we do Mission JC. That is places where we engage in the brokenness of our world and start to mend it. We have to continue to do that and more. Beyond that, though, there's another level that comes through this process, and this is a hard level to reach, and we go back and forth. I, I do myself, but... We are empowered by the power and will of God to make a difference that can be substantial. We receive the empowering of God to change the world. I can't tell you how many times I've said, oh, we can't do that. We don't have enough money or enough people or whatever. But when I prayed about it, it was funny how quickly the people and the money showed up. And you know what? It showed up from the places I never expected it to come from. Because God is God and I am not. But I touched and tapped into the power and said, God, I'm your vessel. Not a very good one. But whatever you can make of me, use me. And somehow out of that empowering, I can make a difference and you can make a difference and we can make a difference. That's That's what Paul's talking about. He's calling us out into the mending of lives business. Is calling us to see that we each have a particular role and purpose and that God has a wonderful exit plan for every one of us. Maybe today you're kind of exploring the Jesus thing or the God thing. That is perfectly fine. Maybe you move beyond that. That's good too. But don't lose sight of the faith trek and don't get off the faith trek. Because then you get stuck in the wilderness. You get lost. I want to close with this. This is from Paul. This is what he says when it comes to this mending business, this making the broken whole business that we're talking about. The source of everything we do is Jesus. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy 
in God. Robust in love. Healthy in God. Robust in love. That sounds good to me. How about you? Let us pray.